Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Now time for the fun stuff. This morning, as you may or may not have heard, we're going to do a little bit of a mission trip recap for you guys. And kind of how this is going to flow is, first of all, there is no way we can summarize everything that happened over the last few weeks, um, not just in the activities and the things we did, but in the relationships that were developed, in what God did through us, and what he's still doing in us. And so please... um, Feel free, give us a couple weeks, but you know, as after we have some time to process, reach out. Say, hey, I'd love to hear more. I'd love to see your pictures. But odds are right now we're still trying to figure out what the heck went on over the last two weeks, just in our own hearts. And so um, don't be offended if somebody says, I would love to. You just gotta give me a little bit of time to get my feet back under me. Because it is like being in a whole nother world. There's a lot of things that God reveals in our hearts um, that, that takes some time to process through with Him. And I know even as we've returned, like it's emotional. We developed meaningful relationships. We went through close things together. And, and so we're still, like this morning, what you're going to hear from us will not be the complete buttoned up, like pretty version of our summary. It's going to be raw. We just got home, but it's going to be real. And we're a family, and that's what family's about, right? And so what I'm going to do first is I'm just going to kind of walk you through. Here's what we did. Here's kind of our, our timeline, the things we participated in, show you some pictures to give you a framework of like, okay, yeah, that. Awesome. That's not what I expected to see. And then as each person comes up and shares, you have a little bit of existing framework so they don't have to give you a ton of context. They can just tell you what God's done, what they're encouraged about, um, and a bunch of mini little sermonettes, if you will. So that is the plan this morning is just to briefly hear about these things. Um, But first, I want to just start kind of laying the foundation of what this trip was. Many of you know that our primary partner in this mission trip was Freedom Tree Ministries. You've heard about them for the last year. Their main goal is to address the issue of infant and maternal mortality in Sierra Leone. They realize that infant and maternal mortality is not just a Sierra Leone issue, and that over the years, that hopefully this will be able to go into other countries. But Sierra Leone is the worst place in the world to give birth, and so that's where they're starting. Now, Freedom Tree's primary partner is New Harvest Global Ministries, which is the local church there. To put things into a little context for you, when we say local church, this church has planted 10,000 churches in Africa and in other countries, most of their work in Africa. In October, they planted just over 200 churches in Africa. This isn't like just some little church. Like They are in books about some of the biggest movements of Muslims coming to Jesus that the world has ever seen. There's amazing things happening, and we got to be a part of this. And so that's their primary partnership on the ground, which gives them access in villages. It gives them ministers and prayer covering, intercessory prayer covering as we went around. Um, For a month before we got there, they had intercessory prayer teams going everywhere we would minister, just preparing the way for us, praying over these spaces and making sure that just in a spiritual sense, the ground was ready for whatever God was going to plant while we were there. And so that, that is the group that we got to be a part of there. Our specific team was made up of 14 people, us seven Americans, and then seven Canadians from our sister church in Calgary. 
and this team had a vast number of giftings on it. It wasn't one of those teams where it's like everybody has the same giftings. It was literally like 14 different sets of giftings, which it's a testament to God and his covering and unity that our team was able to function so well with all of us being so different. God just really provided unity, communication, and favor in all of our relationships. And I don't think I just speak for myself, but it was an amazing time getting to bond with them, serve not just with our U.S. team, but with our team as a whole. And so God was just very, very gracious um, in that. So as you can imagine, traveling to Sierra Leone takes a couple hours. It's not like going to, to PDX. And so by the time we got there, we land in Sierra Leone. We're like, oh, we're finally here. And they're like, oh, you got a five-hour car ride till we get to where we're going. Like, but it's 8 p.m., so we're going to get there at 1 a.m.? Yeah, okay. So that's how the trip started, was getting there exhausted, cramming into cars, and driving windows down through the middle of nowhere, not even knowing what was around us. We're all wide-eyed. We're, you know, I was a little paranoid. Um, but it was awesome. And so that, that was our first night. And because of that, getting to bed sometime around 3 a.m. the next day, uh, we got up at 9, and we did a tour of what New Harvest has going on in town and what Freedom Tree has going on, just to kind of get a lay of the land, see some of the facilities and churches and stuff that, that they have operating there. One of the things we went to was um, the New Harvest Medical Clinic, where they provide medical care to local folks. Uh, we went to the Every Nation School, the Every Nation Academy that they have there, uh, which was an amazing thing to see. Um, and then we also went to a radio station. So they have an office in the town. And then they have another office up on the hill where they broadcast from. And we learned that this, this radio station, um, on Sundays, 1.5 million people listen live to the message in Sierra Leone through this radio station. Their reach is just phenomenal. And they started this radio station right after the war because people were thirsty for information and encouragement all throughout Sierra Leone. And this is one of their main branches of reaching out into villages that like even before a minister goes to a place to plant a church, the odds are somebody there has heard something that's been on this radio station. And so we got to see that. I think Pete said hi over the, was it you that got to say hi? Yeah. He said, it'll be fine over the radio station. You'll hear that joke a lot because like the motto for the trip was just Pete always said, everything will be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So next time we go, we're going to get shirts that just say, it'll be fine. Um, and it was. It was all fine. We got to drive by a few of the 27 branches, which are, they have 27 local churches just in Bow. Um, the, the pastor, who is referred to as Reverend uh, there, his name is Shadonke Johnson, and he started this. He stayed through the entire Civil War. Um, he, he believes in planting churches. He calls it the rabbit model. Like, just get, to, like, a bunch of small churches and trust that God's going to build them up. And so, 27 churches, and all of them have at least 30 people in them, all around just in Bow. Um, so that's why, like, we think, man, 27 branches of churches in, like, a Eugene, because they're about 250,000 people in Bow. That's, that's similar, and we just, that blows our minds, but it's a totally different uh, concept of, of church there. Um, so we jumped right in the next day to a mo- our first of three mobile medical clinics, and uh, this was, like I said, the first of three, and boy, was this a whole new world. So let's check out some pictures from these medical clinics. This is how we were greeted. Um, we had to get out of our cars up this road, and they are dancing and singing and chanting, and they, like, escorted us into their village on foot dancing, and we really quickly realized that there was a glaring um, gap in our training, and that was dancing. Um, none of us 
really were equipped <laughs> for the level of dancing that we would um, need to, to show. But Doc bailed us out. This was a, uh, this was a structure they built for us to do the clinic under. Um, they put that up just a couple days before. Go ahead and go to the next one. This is Lindsay doing the triage work, so um, she can explain more of that because I wasn't a part of that, but just determining, like, okay, who's, who's, is, who's it important to see the doctor here? And then the next one, I think, is Lindsay teaching some nutrition um, to, I think that was nursing moms and moms there. Um, next picture. And that is our intense doctor extraordinaire. You have to really focus to understand what people are saying. <laughs> Dan is committed, and he was going to do the best he could. And so, uh, and there is our pharmacist, Pete, counting pills. Um, and then what do we got after that? And then we also prayed for the sick. That was a blind man that we were, we were praying for and did ministry and stuff off to the side as well. Next one. <clears throat> and then we, another part of the villages, uh, we had people that would play with the kids um, because we learned quickly that the village people didn't really like their kids to be around. <laughs> it was a really interesting dynamic. And so a way that we would not just serve the village but develop relationships and care for them was to to play with the kids and let them know they were valued and cared about and really pour into them. And so you'll hear more about that, but that was another function. This medical, mobile medical clinic had all these things. It wasn't just a line to see a doctor. It was like praying for people, ministering to people, pharmacy, doctor, triage, nutrition classes, playing with the kids. What do we got after that? And one, <laughs> there was a few kids in the villages. This one actually had a school, so they went over and it looks like in the back, Doc and Griffin couldn't keep up with them. Um, next one, chasing a soccer ball. And Dan looks much softer there. Um, so that first day intensity wore off a little bit. And that's the way we had to get to one of the villages. And uh, there may be stories about that, but dear Lord, I was never so scared. <clears throat> they only let one small person go in the boat with Doc and I. And then if you want to see the video, I have it, but we're pushing off to go to the other side. And like this, it was one village on one side, one on the other, and Doc and I are in the boat, and the entire village is cracking up because they couldn't push us off the shore. <laughs> so there's like all these people, because the boat comes back across empty, so it went a little too far up on the shore, and then they had us get in, and they're all just cackling, trying to, anyway. Any insecurities we had before the trip had to get worked through really quick, um, so that's a little look at some of the mobile medical clinic stuff, and I'm, I'm sure you'll hear more about that. Um, then that Sunday, we had the honor of going to the local central church, and right after we got there, the pastor asked me if I would preach on that Sunday, and I was like, oh, here it goes, all those like you know things that you didn't think you were going to do. And so it was truly an honor, though, we got to preach there on a Sunday. That's Reverend Shadonke next to me, who started the ministry, and he interpreted for me. That was a really special moment just to get to be with them and pour into them. And then that evening, a group of us um, went back and ministered and encouraged to about 80 of their pastors from Bo in town there. They all came, and um, we got to share with them about various things, encourage them. Um, 
it was a really cool time to get to pour into them. And the feedback throughout the week was how encouraged and blessed they were by us taking the time to, to pour into them. I know that at least for me, and I think as we were talking before this, it's like, wait, they want us to do a seminar for their pastors. They planted 200 churches last month. We're still working on our first. Like, what, what, do, they, what do we have to give them? But they were encouraged. The Lord gave us encouragement to share with them. We got to just just be with them. And, and it was a really special time. And so the next day we did a similar session with about 200 youth leaders. And another group of us went and did that. And um, it, was, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. So that was a really cool thing we got to do. And then at the end of the week, after we did two more mobile medical clinics, we did this kids camp, which was the first one they'd ever done in Sierra Leone with Freedom Tree and New Harvest. And all of our fundraising fully paid for this camp to happen. Like, we, Grace City Eugene was the catalyst that allowed this to happen. And partnered with Freedom Tree and with New Harvest, we brought in 100 kids from villages throughout the entire country that are within their sponsorship program. And we did sessions, activities, like songs, art, all kinds of stuff. And everybody here had some part or some session that they taught in. As you can imagine, and you, if you have a country where infant and maternal mortality rates are so poor, there is a need for education, right? Like education is a great starting point to help change these things. And so some of the sessions that were taught were just the male and female, like sexual organ systems, like puberty, all the ways that things that happen throughout growing up in that, um, taught on conception and birth, taught on health, hygiene, safety, taught, uh, just really shared with them and activated them and dreaming big about their future for themselves, their country, and their family. Um, what were some of the other things? Dreaming big for, for your country, citizenship, like what it means to be a good citizen. Uh, we did some art and music stuff with them. And then at night, we did this relationship session talking about doing relationships God's way and encouraging the men and women. And we ended with splitting up and doing a Q&A with them. And it was, it was a super impactful time. I think you'll hear a lot more about the camp. Um, but then after the camp, we took off for a two-night, one-day debrief, a real intentional debrief time to um, process through things together as a team, prepare for reentry in the culture shock or reverse culture shock that might happen as we come back from where people fight for one meal a day to like the most gluttonous holiday in America, you know, things like that that can be a little bit jarring. And then we, you know, drove four hours there and then drove four more hours across the crazy ferry um, to the airport. And about 42, 43 hours after we left where we were staying, we arrived back in Eugene. And so um, that's just a quick framework, some pictures for you to see. Um, but now I'm going to give each person an opportunity to just share what's on their heart, and hopefully you'll hear some, some stories and encouragements through that. So who wants to go first? You know, I'll just pick somebody, Griffin, if nobody else <laughs> says they want to go. All right, Pete. Oh, Doc's got it. He bailed you out. So obviously there's like a lot of things we could talk about and share, but I just want to share one of the things that was just like most impactful and like beautiful to me to get to be a part of, and that's worship there. Like if you think about worship and like the way that we've tried to present it to you even here in America, I don't think we have a grasp for it. Over there you just see, you know, I don't know how many people are in that church, but they are just dancing full of joy. And it doesn't matter like what they're going through, what kind of struggles they may be facing, but when they enter into a time of worship, they really grasp the concept of worshiping their father. I mean, the amount of joy on these people's faces when they just get to praise and worship him is crazy. 
I'm sitting back here this morning, like, watching worship and worshiping myself, and I feel like it's an opportunity where, like, I just get to dance with my father. Like, you have that opportunity every Sunday when you come to church or even when you're riding around in your vehicle with modern technology like a radio. You can just dance with your father. And I just wish to encourage everybody here to have that heart of worship. When you enter into that place, you get to be with your father. He wants to meet you there. Whatever insecurity you have about being judged by your peers, whatever fears you may have about your peers, you know, casting judgment on you, it doesn't matter. It's a time for you to just be one with your father in a community of people that want to be one with their father. Anybody else? So um, one of the things that really stuck out to me as we were over there, um, aside from all the cultural stuff, was um, I know, uh, you know, a lot of the team, and this is just uh, a lot of the, I think it's just natural, you know, you're kind of struck by the poverty and the need and the just overwhelming need uh, for help for so many people. And um, I was really struggling with that, like, end of week one, like, I just wasn't really affected by it. And I was like, why, why am I not affected so much? Why don't I feel? And it's not that I didn't care, but it just didn't stick with me um, and weigh on me uh, as it did the rest of the team. So I was, it's one of the things I was struggling with a lot. And then um, I think what the Lord had for me over there, um, se- separate from that, was this, this idea of unity in the church. And um, it reminded me a lot. I don't know how many of you have read the book Pilgrim's Progress. Have you? Um, when Christian is on his journey and he's just fighting and struggling, he's going through all these trials, and he meets faithful. And and he he's you know faithful is marked by the same master, and they immediately have this connection of the, the unity of who they serve. It's like I serve the, the master in the celestial city, and, and so do you. And they had that in common. Instantly, they were unified in their purpose and in their struggles. And um, I think that's what really struck me over there, is that all of these pastors and these people in, um, in worship on Sunday, um, we had that commonality, and it just superseded all these other things. Um, we have struggles in America. They have struggles over there. They're, they're different struggles. It's a whole different paradigm what we're doing. But um, the unity of who we serve was so overwhelming. Um, instantly, I had brothers and sisters over there. And uh, it just transcended every other thing. Um, and it was really cool uh, to experience that sense of unity so far away from this family, to go over there and just immediately have family, you know, by, uh, by the nature of who it is that we serve and what we're trying to achieve um, over there. And so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd just be encouraged uh, with that, you know, just knowing that, you know, you don't have to go to Sierra Leone to experience that same sense of unity. You, if you went over there, you would experience the same sense of unity, you know, Rob and Jordan. These are, um, we serve the same God, and we're striving for the same purpose, um, and uh, it's no different over there, and that was really cool to see. All right, I'm pretty jumbled, so bear with me. <laughs> God worked on me in so many different ways. I went over there 
having no expectation of what I was going to be able to do except for pour into these children with God's, God's love. And he showed me just how important that was, how much I had to offer, and how just building me up uh, to come back here and just spread that love, which was so amazing. I mean, uh, just going to the first village, uh, me and Doc looked at each other. We had about two games in mind that we could play with the children, and we had no translator. We were freaking out, but as, uh, yeah. but, uh, as soon as we got over our own uh, insecurities, and just loved on those children. The barriers just broke. And it was amazing to see. I mean, and I think that we can learn a lot from that just not because, not just children, it's just everybody. As soon as you get over your own insecurity and have a vulnerable conversation or just pour out into somebody, that amazing things can happen. God's love can come out of that and amazing conversations can happen. And I just, it was amazing. Um, I also, it just, one, another amazing thing ha that happened was uh, when we went to the ministry talk, uh, I had felt like God had given me a word at one of our meetings, and uh, I had told Chris and the other people that were going, I think it was Pete and, Pete and Lindsay, and uh, I had said it to them, and there was so much nervousness in my voice. I just, I mean, I was, I was talking to people in my group, and I just couldn't get over how nervous I was even just telling them. But I knew that God wanted me to tell the people, the pastors, that message, and that just gave me so much confidence when I went up there. I told them that I was nervous, but you couldn't hear it in my voice, and I just think that's amazing that God could meet me there. I, I didn't have it all planned out, and uh, I could lean on him, and that was so empowering that it just... It was calm, and I didn't have to rely on my own memory of things. I just was able to lean on him, and the right words came out at the right time. And I just, that was one of the amazing times for me. So, thanks. Like Griffin, my thoughts were a little jumbled, so I had to write them out. So I apologize. I'll have to <laughs> refer to some notes. Um, when Tara first came and presented on Freedom Tree and what they were and what their mission was, one of the things she talked about was if you go, it's not just about giving, but it's also about receiving from the culture. Um, and that really stuck with me the entire time while we were there. And so I kept looking at everything through the lens of not only what am I giving, but what do I get to receive from these people? Because um, they are so wonderful over there. Oh, my goodness. You, you can't explain the joy and just just their hearts and just who they are as people. Um, so one of the things as far as that I'm going to briefly talk about is like what I felt like I got to give and what I felt like I got to receive. Um, and so under the giving aspect, as far as what we got to go over there and do, um, is to continue this idea of it, uh, Freedom Tree being a people movement. That's another thing Tara talked a lot about is that this isn't just about... Um, going and building a clinic, but when you empower people, when you give them the tools, and then they can then go and train somebody else, um, it all of a sudden becomes a people movement and can become something that can be replicated and can spread further. And so one of the things that we got to do within this people movement, um, I got to help encourage these girls that were, I think, about 13 to 24 um, when we had to talk about, like, sex and relationships. And I was shocked just about the intensity of what they experience when it comes to sexual abuse. And so one of the encouragement things that I felt like we really made an impact 
was empowering these women that they don't have to sell their bodies for food, that their bodies are worth something, that these women were created with a purpose and created to do something great, um, both in Sierra Leone and for the kingdom of God. Um, And so that was probably one of the most impactful things, I think, just getting to be a part of it um, and just, again, empowering these women because they are up against some of the craziest odds. Um, Man, I got to keep this quick. On the receive side, (laughs) um, one of the things that I felt I really got to receive from the Lord was just, and we hear this concept, but it's different when you see it in reality, is their power um, in relying and trusting in the Lord. They hit every obstacle, anything you could think of that they, like, physical hardships, they experience it. And from that, they have learned to trust the Lord that much more. They have learned to rely on him in a way that I don't think we can experience here in the Western world. Um, They're not, they're thinking every day, am I going to get to eat? Like that is a basic fundamental issue that they have. And so getting to receive the importance of the power of relying on the Lord and trusting him in every circumstance. So that was kind of what I walked away with. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. One of the um, things they did at the church, the church was just so amazing, so beautiful, but the speaker would say, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. That was beautiful. I think we should adopt that. It was beautiful. Um, I think from the beginning, um, with, uh, first, let me just say, I hope that I can speak just a, a brief word that will encourage, you know, so hopefully so, a few of my words will encourage. If they don't, then let those words go, but whatever <laughs> words I can't speak that I can encourage, hold on to those. And, but um, from the be- beginning, for me, this was an opportunity, and it's, it's, it's already been said, but to depend on God. He wants us to depend on him, and going on a trip like this is a blessing for us because it allows us to be in a position where we really need to depend on God. So I'm thankful for that, and, 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 and as Lindsay just pointed out, they, in some ways, they, they are more f- free in terms of they're in a position every day where they need to depend on God. And We come from a culture where we're self-sufficient, and we, and we do things on our own, we, and when that's the case, we don't leave room for God, and we don't leave ourselves open to depend on Him. So dependence on God, I think He continues to work that in me. And, I, you know, I've always been self-sufficient, and, and I need to depend on God and, and, and surrender and, and, and lean and, and rest in Him. Um, obedience. Obedience is, is something we've talked about all along. And um, I think Griffin said it beautifully. Obedience, you know, just like when he, he had that word, he had that feeling. But he was, you know, there was anxiety, and, 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 and then you start to question yourself. And... and but being obedient is, it, it's our relationship with God that's important. So being in right relationship with him, um, not what we do, not our works, but just being obedient and relying on him. And, and then along with obedience, a recent devotional that, that I read was, um, that, that really you know, fits for me with this trip. And I think, again, what Griffin said is a great example of it, that he who, I'll try to say this correctly, but he withdraws himself from obedience also withdraws himself from grace. And um, I think it is a beautiful example, like you said. Step, you know, it, it doesn't, it feels scary. It feels, you know, it feels vulnerable. But you just step forward in obedience. Rely on him. And then grace, you receive that grace. And if we don't step out in obedience, 
we, we withdraw ourselves from that grace, that he is there and he's going to provide us that grace. Um, works, you know, especially on a mission like this, I think we can get, we go into it, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to accomplish? You know, as a physician, you know, I want to, can I make a, an, an impact in terms of, 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 from a medical standpoint? You ask me, well, what did you accomplish? You know, from, I, I would, I look at, from my point, precious little. I accomplished precious little. and But that's not what's important. What's important, again, is being obedient. We don't need to see. I, I trust and I have faith that God did, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the mighty things that he did, but I know he did, and I know he is doing mighty things, and I can trust and have faith in that, and, I, and, and, that's, and that's what I rely on. Um, and that's, that's what's important. We don't need to see that. We can trust him that he's going to work through us, and, and he's going to accomplish He's going to accomplish his plan, and that's what we want. Um, Doc said it beautifully. I just wonder, the, the heart of worship was, and I need to finish up, the heart of worship was just beautiful. And, and you know, you, you think of the Civil War game yesterday, standing on our feet, you know, cheering. You know, look at, all, look at that devotion that we show in that situation. But where's our devotion to the Lord? You know, where is our, you know, that's where our true devotion and where we should really be pouring out our hearts. And they demonstrated that to us just so beautifully. God's grace covered us throughout. We were, you know, we were well cared for. We had meals cooked for us. We had good shelter. We had drivers that, you know, drove under dangerous conditions. Yeah, sometimes without. But yeah, so God's grace. I mean, God's grace covered us, covered us throughout. And I gotta say, with, with, with Pete, you know, that was a theme. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And you know, and that's be, but you know, taking that, in, he's exactly right. And, and that's good that he reminded us of that. But what we have to remember, in all due respect to Pete, it's not going to be okay because Pete says it's going to be okay. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. And he, you know, reminded us of that every step of the way, which is beautiful, because of who we serve, because of, of, of what we're doing, and because we're covered by his grace. And we also have to remember that it's going to be okay may not be what we think it's going to be okay. When we say it's going to be okay, we think, okay, we're going to be safe. We're not going to be injured. We're not going to get sick. We're going to, you know, and that may not be what being okay is about. What being okay is, no matter what happens, terrible accident, someone, you know, critically injured, you know, killed, it's going to be okay because of, of our faith and, and, and the fact that we're in right relationship with God through, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be okay no matter what. And, and, and that we, nothing can separate us from that. That we can count on. And um, so it's going to be okay. And, and just so thankful. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So I think the, even before the trip, God had really spoke to us that this wasn't a one-time thing. And while we were there, there were so many relationships that were built and ministry opportunities that wasn't just going to be that one time. Um, Sierra Leone has the most hospitable, joy-filled, kind, giving people for their circumstances that moved me regularly. And God was so faithful to um, connect us as a team with them in that moment, but also connect us as a team to come back and give that to our Grace City Eugene family and deposit that in the places that were necessary. And a lot of us went into this mission trip out of just kind of obedience. I don't know how you're going to use me, God. 
um, but I know you've called me, and to see each person in those moments that God called them to, to shine, um, it was just really faith building, um, and my kind of little side, my story, I didn't really know what my role was going to be, I just felt called, and then while I was there, God opened these doors uh, with our Freedom Tree Canadian team, where there's a girls empowerment movement where teachers are training other teachers there to provide equitable education for girls because that's not common. And so that's um, protecting them from kind of common sexual assault that takes place in education as well as prioritizing that they come to school rather than go sell stuff out at the market so that their brothers go to school. And so in this moment where God is saying, this is not just a one-time thing, the people that you're meeting in this movement is something that you're going to be invested in for the rest of your life. He was opening doors. So hopefully July, I'll be going back to work with this teacher program to see these people again. Um, And so it was just really cool that he spoke, this is not a one-time thing at the beginning, and to see that fulfilled to the end, um, and that this Gray City Eugene family is deeply connected with our Sierra Leone and New Harvest family to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. So it was such just a humbling opportunity and blessing. I could take another half hour, but I won't. Um, A few things I do want to share. We heard a lot about the hospitable spirit of the people there and how absolutely hospitable everybody was. I mean, to the point where some of these people are living in, you know, a 10 by 10 stick hut with a mat in it. And they're like, would you like to come see my house? Like... And we want to make sure everything's vacuumed and the carpets are shampooed and everything's all perfect before we'll let people into our house, right? Um, but I was asking one of the pastors there, his name was Pastor Daniel Biahai, and he is the kind of number two under Reverend Shadonka. He oversees all the churches in Sierra Leone. And I said, you know, I've, I've read and learned enough about the war you went through to know that hospitality was exploited. Rebels would go into villages and say, I'm running from the rebels in my village, will you take me in? And a village would take a person in, and then at night that person would wipe out the entire village. Their hospitality was exploited during the war. And I asked uh, Pastor Bihai, I said, how, how has, how, what has the journey been like for your country to come back to being so hospitable after going through that 15 years ago? And he said, you're right, it's hard. And, and he said, let me tell you my story to give context to it. And he said, um, the rebels came into his family's village. And a family, their family village is not just like parents and kids. It's like grandparents, aunts and uncles, right? The village is where all of (laughs) your family lives. And they lined everybody up in the village on the ground. And they proceeded to decapitate everybody. And his uncle, aunt, grandparents, everything. And his little brother and his mom were at the end of the line. And when it came down to their turn, there were gunshots heard at the other end of the village. And so all the rebels take off and run because they thought that, that the army was there. And it allowed his mom and little brother to escape. He had escaped, actually, in the night. He was just a kid. And the rebels never found anybody that shot the guns or anything. He's like, the Lord miraculously provided gunshot sounds. There was nobody there for my mom and little brother to escape. And he said, Chris, later, after the war was done, my little brother wasn't born again yet. 
and he was trying to find the guy who had done that, who he'd watched decapitate his entire family. And he came to him. He said, I found the guy. Come with me, brother. And they go, and they confront this guy who had done that to their entire family. And Pastor Daniel said, but, but Chris, I was born again. I was serving Jesus. And I had to stand in front of that guy and say, judging you is not my job. God will protect me. He will take care of me. I forgive you. And walk away from that while holding back his unsaved little brother. <laughs> his little brother's just like, I could imagine. Are you kidding? Come on, big brother. <clears throat> and he said, when you have to go through that, like many of the people there have, because now the rebels and the civilians and the army people live side by side. And they were just told, hey, yeah, just forgive each other. And he's like, Chris, aside from Jesus moving in this country, there is no reason that hospitality could be like it is, that forgiveness could happen like it is. That story was not just his story. That story is represented in most every family in that country. And they still extend radical hospitality. And boy, did that challenge me in the way of hospitality. Not just for my family, but for how our church shows hospitality how we receive people, how we forgive people. And so that was a very impactful moment that I felt needed to be shared. And it puts into context, you hear all these joyous stories and how they worship and how full of joy and everything they are. But 15 years ago, that was their story. And it just amazes me. And uh, a few other real quickly cool things that happened. Our first village that we went into... Um, there was a couple that came up, and the, the man asked for prayer. We were off to the side doing ministry and praying for people. And he came up, and he said, hey, I, I need, and this was in broken English, and there's a translator. There. He's like, I need prayer. Uh, we've had, you know, four stillbirths. I want to pray for my wife. And, um, and the person said, oh, so you've had four. He goes, yeah, but we're done. We're done. And God just gave me a word of knowledge, and I said, no, but you're pregnant again. She's pregnant again, isn't she? And he's like, come over here. He like pulled us away. He's like, nobody can, can know about this. And he said, yeah, she's two months pregnant. We've had four stillbirths and we're terrified. And so um, they're a Muslim couple. We got to pray over them, just speak truth over this baby that was in the womb. And then we led them to Jesus. They gave their lives to Jesus in that moment after we shared the gospel with them and what hope they have in him and all this stuff. And it was, it was a cool moment because most of our trip there they just threw us into these environments and said, hey, you got this. It'll be fine. Um, and we didn't know the context of what people were expecting. We didn't know what was going to happen. But we were obedient to step into that moment and see how God might use us. And they send me off to the side. Go pray for people. I don't speak their language. I don't know what they're dealing with or anything. And we get to pray for these people and share the gospel with them. And they, they give their lives to Jesus. And it was just it was amazing because here we think we need to have our heads wrapped around the entire start to finish, and we need to know how it's all going to work out before we'll step in and actually engage the process. And it was a reliance on God on a whole new level that I pray isn't something that's just contained in us seven, but I pray bleeds into this church, bleeds into this town, into our families and our relationships that a reliance on God is not some scapegoat of responsibility, but it is a posturing of our heart to say, yes, use me. And even though I don't know what that's going to look like, I trust you. It's not a scapegoat to not prepare. 
It's simply the way our heart is positioned towards him in any given moment. And I pray that that will just infiltrate and catch fire in this city and in this community. Um, hallelujah. <laughs> um, there's a ton of stories that we could share, um, but I'm going to take this final minute and I'm going to share one that was kind of the most disorienting for me. We were in this second village, and to put it into context for you, in Africa, there's no such thing as an atheist. There's not, they said there's not a single person in this country that doesn't believe in some supernatural power. There's witchcraft, voodoo, African traditional religion, there's Muslim, and then there's Protestant, Catholic, Christianity kind of in this other group. Um, when they heard that that was a thing here, that there's people that just don't believe in, this, like, the, in God or supernatural existence, they're like scratching their heads like, how? <laughs> and so um, we go into this village, and all of those spiritual things are existing. And the ones that we don't like to talk about were very heavy. So we'll say there's a heavy presence of witchcraft, voodoo. This place still practiced some things like human sacrifice, things like that. It was, it was a little heavy. And so we walked around. We did a prayer walk, and I led worship around this place. And later on, we're at the medical clinic, and things started to get a little chaotic. Um, and Pastor Daniel ended up preaching the gospel to the people that were waiting and prayed, and people were raising their hands, giving their lives to Jesus. And I said, it's time to worship. So I pull out the guitar, and I start singing, Break Every Chain. There's power in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's just like a few hundred people start gathering. And I kind of do it like a camp song where you say it, and you tell them what you're going to say, and they don't know what the heck they're saying, but they're singing along. And I look up, and I was like, I just felt a heaviness because there was a battle happening in that moment. And I look up, and the village imam is singing along. For those of you that don't know, an imam is like a, a pastor in the Muslim church. And he's singing along, like clapping, there is power in the name of Jesus. And I'm just like, dear Lord, what is happening right now? Now, I, I, I'm, I know he probably doesn't understand what he's saying. But the power of worship in that moment, and here's, it, it was super disorienting. This was the village we had to cross the river to get into. I was terrified. I'm convinced that as we were trying to leave because we ran out of medicines that they were casting curses on us. It was just a weird situation. And we get out of there, and Pastor Daniel comes back to us at our debrief that night and says, hey, just so you guys know, this is a village we haven't been in before, but with the presence of prayer and worship and the relationships developed there today, I can say officially that New Harvest has established a leader, and we are planting a church there because of what happened today. A new church was planted in a new village, even in all the awkwardness and all the heaviness. And he said a big part of what we believe that is a spiritual shift that happens when prayer and worship infiltrate a place. And so I want to encourage you. A spiritual shift can happen as prayer and worship infiltrate new dark places in your own life, in the lives of others, in your workplace, in your families. Would you consider Grace City being a conduit for prayer and worship and the hope that is found in Jesus to infiltrate into all of those places and dark corners that you may find yourself throughout this holiday season and throughout the year and see what God just might do as he uses you in that. Amen? Amen. Amen.